Shema Yisrael, all our buddies. Welcome back to the Gerald Field Report. It is me, the Goyim who'll destroy him, old CW. And who am I joined with here? Uh, I'm Anthony. Insert toward Jewish, funny Jewish pun in my name more. Uh, We are the Gerald Field Report. Uh, Our goal is to go through and watch every Harold episode. Uh, Yeah. Talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about all the stuff that happens with it. Uh, but we've decided to take a little detour uh, for this holiday season. Uh, this week's detour, uh, we're actually going into an entirely different show. Um, it's true. It's the holiday season. And angry all holidays. Yeah, angry beavers. <laughs> uh, Clone high. Dude, I do I do a watch through show of Clone High with you. Absolutely, Thundar you know the Barbarian. You know it's coming back, right? Like, like, oh god, it, it, it's but it works because they were all frozen at the end of the second season. So I'm not and... saying it doesn't work. I'm saying we don't need more Clone High. It's fine. No, I, we need more Clone High. That's one of like like that and Firefly are like my list of shows that definitely. Firefly was too only soon. perfect because it died young and beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. But we can always imagine what that second season would be like uh Hmm. and not it being the second season of heroes which is arguably the worst second season of any tv show ever but this isn't the heroes podcast you can go and listen to the Heroes podcast on some other fucking network this is strictly a nicktoons network uh so uh like i said uh we're kind of taking a holiday detour um to the Rugrats Hanukkah special, or as they pronounce it, the Rugrats Hanukkah special. <laughs> Down Klasky Shupo Way. Yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, I am a Jewish person. Um, I am not uh, Jewish by the religion. Uh, my family was Jewish. My grandfather was Jewish. Um, we never celebrated Hanukkah, but um, these kind of stories and these things that that the show this episode and uh the passover episode of the regrets uh showed uh were very intricate things and very important things uh to me uh, and my uh grandpa uh growing up so um when i realized that we're actually recording during the holiday season which i don't think we have done uh since we've started um Mm-mm. I thought this would be a perfect opportunity, uh, and I think this is a very, very important cartoon and a very, very important... Yeah. This and the Passover special are very, very important TV shows and episodes uh, for people to watch in general. So whether or not you're Jewish, whether or not you're you're uh, a Goyim, whether or not you're, you're Christian, Muslim, whatever... Uh, I definitely, definitely recommend you guys, uh, taking a look at both these episodes. Cause I think we'll, we'll get into it when we talk about it, but, uh, I know you yeah. probably watched a Hey Arnold episode in preparation for this episode. So we'll give you some time, uh, go back, uh, go through season four, episode one of the Rugrats. Uh, we'll give you time. <laughs> And then I said, oil? I thought you said moil, Baron. So, uh, this is... Oh, be- oh before we get into it, out. I have a brief shout out. Yeah, um, I would like to uh, thank Wolf Puppy for uh, allowing us to encroach on his territory a little bit. I know the rug cast uh, has been going strong for a number of years now, and he is very protective of his uh turf there so just it's okay we're not going to be mentioning any post dill rugrats so you don't need to get litigious and come after us thank you wolf puppy a woo who the hell is wolf puppy it's funnier if you don't ask just go (laughs) okay uh so uh this is the hanukkah special um if you guys don't know the rugrats for whatever reason uh the rugrats is a a show about babies and those babies go on wild adventures and boy don't they 
Uh, I've heard a fan theory that Tommy Pickles is nope. actually based off of uh, Doctor Who, uh, and there oh, are what? a lot of of like indicators, not in this episode, but in the series that that kind of lead you to believe that that he is a Dalek. Does show up once. He uses a screwdriver for everything. Yep. Anyways, uh, so this takes place in season four. This episode in particular is really interesting because uh, it has a cinematic quality to the animation style. I don't know if you noticed that when you were watching, Casey. Yeah, it had a kind of visual... I don't know that grandeur is exactly the word, but uh, I felt like it was scoped out a little bit and allowed for like broader like broader visual fields um uh, so what were the, you talking about the thing yes but the thing i also was talking about was the way they use lighting i know lighting is mm. such an interesting thing when yeah. it comes to animation um, that's a point because this was from a really flat era in animation when they didn't have the time or the budget to worry about it's, things it's like class that. classy scupa which which don't like everything they do is flat and if you look like if you go and you watch the episode before or the episode after neither of them like have that kind of lighting i'm wondering if it's maybe because this is one of very few episodes that takes place solely at night uh mm, and they wanted to kind of convey that but also the night light of and our here people. is here is yeah and here is where i think uh and there's a lot of stuff that like we can kind of dive into for this but i think that the episode is um the lighting is important because it is the festival of lights and, thematically. Sure. Uh, I think the light shining on them and, and like the important use of light. But I just like, I feel like there were deeper colors, like, like, uh, it, it, it definitely looked a lot better when you, when you think about Rugrats, it, it has a, it has a distinct visual style, but it's not one you'd call particularly pleasing aesthetically. Yeah. Uh, I think it, it's possible even that, that this may have been written, were animated around the same time they were making the Rugrats movie. Um, mm. It's it's fascinating. Anyway, so uh, I'll give you a rundown of this episode. We'll talk about specific things. Um, again, this is not the Gerald feel. I mean, this is not Harold, so uh, it's not as in-depth. Uh, essentially, uh, it's Hanukkah, and uh, Grandpa Boris is uh, in a stage play at his town's local uh, Jewish centered uh, senior center. Um, the... I believe it's specifically the synagogue, isn't it? Yeah, but it's yeah, it's at a synagogue being run. But it's by the senior his center senior putting center. it on. Oh, okay, okay. Um, he uh, he's in the play, uh, and his rival Shlomo, uh, both of them from Russia. And actually, this is the first time I remember in the series like they usually call it the old country or at least mm -hmm. the babies refer to it as the old country uh but this is the first time i actually remember them saying russia he was from russia, russia. specifically he grew up in yeah. russia shlomo voiced by the late great fivish finkel one of the all-time great jewish actors uh and one of the very few we actually talked about this in the um the Benchwarmer episode a couple of times ago, uh, like Jim Belushi, Fivish Finkel, one of the very few voice actors who can comfortably and effectively switch between uh, screen and voice acting. Yeah. I'm not sure I know this. What would I know him in? Fivish Finkel, I mean, you like, would know he, him if you he, saw him. I understand. Like, I hear his voice. Like, Yeah, he <sighs> was in Boston Public. He was in Picket Fences. Um you would definitely know him if he's on. Those are the only two things that come to mind, because to me, he's always going to be Douglas Wamba in, in Picket Fences. Maybe. He looks a little familiar. Meh. I never watched Boston Public or... Me neither. Uh, anyway, uh, that's beyond the point. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, Shlomo. Uh, uh, Grandpa Boris talks about how Shlomo and him have had a rivalry since, um, since they were young. Uh, uh, Shlomo has always tried to one-up one -up Uncle Boris. Um, but they're in the play together. So Grandpa Boris is noticeably upset and grumpy and irritated more than he normally is. Uh, and the babies uh, think that he's being bullied at daycare, uh, which is I mean, they're adorable. Not and, and, but, but, uh, so, so, uh, Chucky regales them with a story of him being bullied at daycare. They, yep. uh, they decide that, the meanie of, Hall of Hanukkah, which is what they call him, uh, just needs a nap. Uh, so they spend the rest of the episode 
trying to uh, give the media of Hanukkah a nap, uh, and then uh, things happen. Uh, the story of Hanukkah is Hanukkah told, ever after, and everything works out well at the end. Friend of the show, I say that, I'm not sure if it's true, friend of both of us, E.J. Mason, uh, who we should have on here sometimes, because I'm sure they would have some stuff to say about uh, Hey Arnold. Anyway, uh, made an excellent point that one of the qualities that makes Rugrats so enduring is that the babies parse their world in terms of storytelling, in terms of um, big symbols and big shapes. And, And what they do is they see... They see a situation in front of them that is far too complicated for them to understand. The first Mm -hmm. chunk of the episode is that they don't understand what's going on, that Grandpa Boris says some stuff I don't understand. They do a thing with the candle. There's this guy who's being mean to it. We don't fucking get it. And they decide that it's all because of this meanie of Hanukkah. They They immediately take it to, like, a mythological level. Like, it's just, there's one big bad guy. He's causing all the trouble for our people, just like in the story Grandpa Boris told us. And we have to do something about it. Yeah. And and just so that's the other thing that I really like about this show is is they they play with language a lot and there's actually a few language jokes that I really really enjoy as we get through the episode. Um, they're so good, but but they're talking about the meaning of Hanukkah and I think that's the thing. Like like and one of the things I want to talk about and why I think this is an important show and why I think this episode is important. This is the only show that I can think of ever that takes Judaism seriously, that the people in the episode take Judaism seriously, and that they don't joke about it. They don't turn the holiday into a joke. I think the Goldbergs is one of the most most Jewish-centric shows on TV, written by a Jewish guy about his Jewish life. And even that had uh, just how fucking sucky and shitty Hanukkah is kind of episode. Compared to Christmas. Right. Um, I think that's like, like I can't like, these were very like, like uh, even the Jewish side of me. I remember like my older sister and me and my younger sister, these were our favorite episodes. We don't know why they were our favorite episodes when we watched the Rugrats, but there was, I think it may have had to do with these were stories that we already knew, which I think is really, really interesting and important for a kid. Mm-hmm. If like, like, cause when you're a child, everything is new and everything is just information that you're processing. So when you can watch something and be like, I know what they're talking about. I know the story right. that they're telling is, I have is, the tools for this it is incredible, especially for a child's development. But I, I went back and I watched it like, four years ago i think was the last time and i was just kind of blow blown away actually it wasn't this episode it was the passover episode um, right but again i was blown away at how nobody in the, the episode was making like irritated that they had to go to passover or seder dinner none of them were were none of them were were irritated that they were doing all of this because like I've done Seder dinners before. I used to do Seder dinners every Passover for like seven or eight years. It is fucking boring. I fucking, uh, it's not, it's not a fun experience. Uh, Why is tonight different from all other nights? Cause I'm fucking bored and I want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> I'm starving. It's eight, eight thirty at night. We haven't even. And light is not coming. You guys come on. We haven't even found the Afikum in yet. It's somewhere <laughs> hidden in this house. I just want to get my fucking silver dollar and eat some fucking roast. Matzo ball soup. This is not the bitter herbs I'm interested in, if you catch my meaning. <laughs> wink, yeah. wink. Chara said's pretty bomb. I don't know if you've ever had it. It's this walnut and apple mixture you eat on matzo. Ooh. so fucking good. Something you yes, eat please. with it. Have a little bit of rad- horseradish on it. That's no freaking bomb. One thing I do want to say and give Nickelodeon props for is that, like, um, so Americans are really bad at a lot of things. Um, We are really specifically bad at understanding the interplay and overlap between race and ethnicity and nationality and stuff like that. Um, If you line, you know, a Nigerian, a Fijian, a Sierra Leonean, and, um, like, uh, I forget uh, another thing. Like a Samoan. What's that? I said Ghanan. 
but you know, a Ghana and a, and a Somalian altogether. Um, an American will say, I see five black people. And that is not how most of the world has worked for most of history. And it's especially complicated with uh, America's fraught and uh, troublesome relationship with Judaism, which is not as friendly as the modern world would have you believe, because Judaism is a religion and an ethnicity and, according to uh, how you identify itself, and can also be a nationality. So it's it's threefold complicated. It's a lot going on. And I want to give Nickelodeon props because they specifically address not just the like this is our cultural heritage but they specifically address the religious one too because the the whole thing is telling the story of how king antiochus comes in and they specifically say forces the the maccabees to worship his gods uh yeah. and they don't they don't get into as opposed to what like they don't get into the the jewish conception of god because even that is not something on which there's a great deal of consensus but yeah. like they specifically address that in the context of no this is who we are and something we're not going to do and i was very impressed by that uh, that's actually one of my my favorite jokes in this uh comes in that specific scene uh, you have uh phil and Lil, they're talking and phil and Lil, like uh once the greeks came in they're full into the greek culture i love it uh yep. they're like this is super awesome uh so one interesting thing about the twins in this is they refer to them when they're talking to each other they refer to themselves with their full names uh lillian and philip as opposed to phil and lil something that i've always really appreciated with the two of them uh mm -hmm. throughout the series but in this case uh uh Phil looks at, at Lil and says, Hail Lillian! And and Lil looks at Phil and says, Hail Philistine! And yeah. I freaking loved that. That's pretty good. Uh, can I tell you something I loved about that particular scene? What? I love the two shops behind them. One, uh, Lillian comes out of a Euro shop. Because they're saying, I mean, say what you will about our, our, our oppressive dictators. The food's good. Yeah. <laughs> so she just clearly had a euro, which is pretty good. Yeah. There's a shop right behind them, and there is a sign dangling from the door that says cut rate uh, with some Hebrew lettering on top of the lintel. Do you know what that Hebrew lettering reads, Tony? What? It reads moil. Ah, that's awesome. Cut rate. So, yeah. So the best part is Philistines like were historically... Uh, in conflict with the Jewish people. So the fact that yes. Phil is uh, labeled as a Philistine, uh, it, it's it's a bunch of double meanings. There's a few other ones like that. Um, it's pretty good. They, they make the babies read the books that they want them to read. Uh, mm -hmm. And, and the idea is, is even this Old show, like, like unlike Hey Arnold, this show is not as, as yeah, not as geared towards the adult watchers as it is the child watchers there no, are some there's in some jokes. fun peppercorns sprinkled in there but yeah it's not the but main it's drive. but but they they put things in language that children would understand and these are things right. that babies are too advanced for babies or toddlers to understand i don't think this show is made for babies or toddlers to watch i think this no. is for um younger kids but they 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 talk of the torah they're talking about how they stop allowing the Jewish people in the town from reading their holy books. Um, so they say, you got to read the books that you want to read. Like you got to read the books we want you to read. Uh, so yeah, so they make the Plato joke, uh, a whole book about Plato, which I freaking loved that joke so a much. Very good joke. Um, but yeah, so they're, uh, so Judah Maccabee says, fuck that noise. And they lead a revolt uh, upon uh, the Greeks that have uh, invaded their area. Uh, we switch now. Like, so the beginning of the episode was was very much the first half of the Hanukkah story. Uh, the second half is uh, them getting ready for this big spectacular uh, at the synagogue. Um, I really like the scene with Chaz and Didi in the kitchen as she's making... Uh, uh, latkes for for everybody mm -hmm. you ever had a latka they're fucking bomb <laughs> i've not i've always wanted to they're just like they're they're like hash browns like like i don't like hash browns they're like, more like no they're they're oh. potato like they're potato pancakes they're not pancakes they are right. cakes I understand. they're cakes made out of potatoes that that are cooked in the right. pan i've never had a uh uh 
a potato donut, but there was a, a donut shop in mm. in the Spud Antelope Nuts. Valley called Spud Nuts, uh, which yeah. I think was created by Jewish people because I don't know if they actually use potatoes in their their bread making process. But there's definitely that's uh, the if they did, why. they I mean they were doing something right. That place ruled. So Angelica, for her part, uh, wants no part of this, and she's not she's not Hanukkah hostile. She's just, she's not about it. It's not interesting for her. She instead wants to watch her incredibly commercial and crass uh, Cynthia Christmas special to the point where in the introduction we're given with the with the story of Hanukkah there, um, one of the gods that they're being forced to worship is actually a giant statue of Cynthia, which represents, uh, you know, Angelica's. First of all, Angelica's not from that side of the family, right? She's no. it, it doesn't look like she was raised in in the faith or anything. So she this is just a thing her family does, and she wants to watch the Christmas special about her favorite toy. And I I don't think that's entirely unfair. Like it's it spurs it spurs some incredibly selfish and destructive actions throughout the course of of the program no but, but like, like like it's but it like like it, it is very indicative of children at christmas time i yeah. i even now i have an aversion to going to church on christmas eve um like i i'm i'm, yeah, I'm not the only a, time i want to go to church i'm not a regular church goer anymore um you're not like I, other church goers i i don't i don't like like i'm, I'm kind of over um, organized churches uh, in the United States. Uh, all of them have views that I'm just not a big fan of, but my mom used to take us. Like, I used to go to church all the time. I really enjoyed going to church, but I hated because it's uh, Christmas Eve service because it's late at night. We usually oh. don't eat dinner until after we go to church service. The church oh, well, service is, was always inevitably two to two and a half hours long as opposed to the mm -hmm. hour and a half that our normal church service was and of how long it took mary to give birth and that's not true it so so it's christmas eve or hanukkah eve in this in this situation or it's hanukkah whatever you know what i mean it's a night and and hanukkah and christmas line up with each other uh so of course a three-year-old is was is gonna rather watch cartoons uh than she is going to want to participate in a holiday that neither of her understand. parents are participating in either <laughs> yeah why is she at the pickles house where is is where are drew and um charlotte what's her mother's name charlotte, charlotte. where are drew and charlotte yeah why are they there yeah, I mean, granted, it's because Angelica needs to be a part of the story because she needs to go on the adventures with well, the exactly. babies. Well, exactly, and that's the, yeah, the Doylean explanation. Um, well, she's there. Dee Dee and Chaz are in the kitchen. Dee Dee explains, and I thought this was very interesting, that they fried the latkes in oil in remembrance of the oil miracle, which yeah. is pretty cool. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, that's why all the stuff on Hanukkah is fried. Uh, there it is. So Stu, uh, because he is a, a good husband who is here to support his wife's family and, and their traditions, is constructing a mega menorah <laughs> in the basement with some help from I, Lou. I now, tell me, Thony, am, am I am I wrong here, or does Stu exhibit strong John Arbuckle energy? No, I don't. John Arbuckle yeah. is like a loser, a loser, loser. They're both like, losers. No, because here's the like like yes, Stu has only had one successful like toy invention, and that was well let's talk about the fact that he built a a two hundred foot mecca that could be controlled oh, yeah. by babies in Rugrats oh, yeah. in Paris, held together, mind I you, by uh paper clips and rubber bands. <laughs> Okay. All right. He's, I re I I retract my criticism. He's he's an actually good inventor. He he's he's a mad scientist kind of kind of person. Yeah. And I think that he everything he does is so grandiose and so extreme that of course it's going to blow up in his face. Like like do you think Jarn Arbuckle would ever have been able to create a a a steam-powered menorah with mm. dancing men and a spinning right. dreidel and fireworks all okay. at once. 
All right. You know, point point taken. Most of my memories of Stew Pickles involve him uh, being kind of the butt of the joke, uh, kind of both schlemiel and schlemazel. Um, and I, I guess I don't remember him being super competent, but I guess that really reflects more on me than on anything. But yeah, yeah, you you make an excellent point. I forgot about the giant reptar mech. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Pretty good. I, like, I, I don't think he's he's not successful. I don't think I don't think no. saying he's incompetent and him being successful or done. Uh, but what I also like is this show was created in the early '90s, and it's very yep. clear that that Dee Dee is the breadwinner in the family, but at no point. Does she ever get disparaged for that? In fact, we can talk about the the idea of gender roles in this entire show and how what fantastic. Does do? uh, I think she's a home ec teacher and or oh. possibly a real estate agent. Um, I remember her doing both of those things, but I always saw that as her having like a job of the week kind of thing. I, I don't think they ever they ever really talk about what she does. Um huh. They're they're boomers, so regardless of what they're doing, uh, they're going to be successful, and they're going to make make enough no, money to support. No, they'd be their Gen family. X. If no, they they're were, boomers. If they were... They're definitely boomers. I, they were they were young homeowners with with babies in nineteen ninety something. Yeah, I don't know. Like like they 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 the babies are our age, correct? I mean, I, I guess. Well, so, no. I mean, because if they were if they were itty bitty babies in the early '90s, then they'd be like five or six years younger than us. When was? Hold on, I'm actually checking now. Season one. I think this was late '80s that it came out. Maybe not. 1991. So okay, they so would minimum, be they are two, two years, years younger than we younger are. than we are. Regardless, though. Their age bracket puts them right. in our generation, and our parents, maybe the later like ninety six kids, those parents, those kids are Gen Xers. But okay. we're really talking about, and actually, if you watch some of this, uh, I, there's a I'm gonna post the video in our in our uh, mm. in our Twitter feed. There's an entire breakdown about why the pickles and why the parents in um in the rugrats like personify boomer culture uh to a fault all uh, right but but regardless what was the point i was making about this why were we talking about boomers and uh oh, dd is dd has is doesn't the, have a job yeah she's the breadwinner uh but what i really like about this show and this is the only time we're going to be talking about this, so I think everything is fair game. Uh, gender expectations of the parents in this show uh, are not what you would typically see in in other um, in other TV shows. Uh, Phil right. and Lil's parents, in particular, are are very very fascinating because the mom is definitely the person who wears the pants in the relationship. She's taken on right. that that specific role the father is more timid and more nurturing and, and stuff like that um uh angelica's parents uh like again uh her mom is a ceo her dad mm -hmm. uh we don't really know what her dad does but again like like in all of these situations the women are the ones who are taking the stronger roles in these situations than the men are I think that's brilliant. I think that's amazing. And I think it's another reason why this show is important for people to watch. I'm inclined to agree. I'd never thought about it from that angle. It's possible I just hadn't watched it since I was too young. Because once I found hipper shows like Hey Arnold, like Angry Beavers and stuff like that, you know, the later generation of, of Nick products, I kind of moved away from these partially honestly uh not because of like the simplicity of the storytelling or anything like that but because uh the animation kind of depressed me because it is so dry yeah. and flat like i've always been really drawn to animation uh with you know like vivacity and and depth of color and lighting and shading and stuff like that and the uh just the dry and flatness of most of this except the intro sequence the intro sequence to this show <laughs> The title sequence is almost disturbingly detailed. It makes me a little uncomfortable. I, and I think the other thing is is 
like there are a lot better animated Klasky Supo Chupo Chupo whatever shows that they have. Um, like Rocket Power, I think was fantastic and amazing. Yeah. Uh, as told show. by Ginger, I think is a show that is completely underrated and more criminally underrated. Watch. Underrated. Uh, that show, like it's essentially a preteen soap opera kind of show. Like, like yeah. not, I don't want to say soap opera, but like a teen drama show animated. Like, like I yeah. remember watching it, and, and there's an episode where she deals horribly with like depression, and I remember Jackie watching it and talking about how how much that episode spoke to her because it was one of the first times she had ever seen it portrayed in such a realistic way, uh, which was. Uh, but yeah, like, like the Rugrats, I was like a huge Rugrats fan. Like, like granted I was a Nicktoons, like any Nicktoon doesn't matter what the Nicktoon was. Uh, I would watch it and I would consume it and I would love it. Um, but, but so, so it's something like I've, I've thought about for a while. Okay. So, uh, so they all they gather all up. Temple. Yeah. They all head to temple. Uh, you get like a little, I love it. It's well, almost like, uh, uh, they get a, a a little Hanukkah fair thing. There's a latka eating really contest. Cool. There's a yeah. guy in a giant dreidel outfit. There. I want to talk about that guy later. I want to talk about that guy. I think we're both going to talk about the same thing about that guy. Uh, but they 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 all have like they're having a great time. It's almost like a party, which again I really enjoy it because every other portrayal of Hanukkah that I've seen makes it this dumb and boring thing that kids do right. because their parents force them to do and maybe they're going to get a present out of it and uh it's it's the first time well, I've ever seen like a Jewish holiday or a non-Christmas holiday celebrated and enjoyed as much mm-hmm. as Christmas is uh yeah and- well, and you, you know, you know what I think that might be is that, like, speaking as a as a boring white person with no cultural heritage to speak of or or anything like that, um, Christmas is not a cultural holiday for me. It's I mean, it's it's a cultural in that I live in the United States and we celebrate Christmas, right? It's just a a thing. Um, it's it's a religious one in that my mother was uh she was always in choir at church, so it was always a big deal for us that kind of thing. But like to have to have Hanukkah be this thing like this this living celebration in a living culture that is three thousand years old at least five thousand you know whatever reckoning you choose and still going and still alive and and filled with activity and light and joy and happiness is really fantastic to see and I think a, a lot of the reason you don't see that portrayed in a lot of media is because most media is produced from a like default christian standpoint like yeah. when when someone in america says you know one nation under god they they're not thinking of of yhvh they're yeah. thinking of of white american blonde jesus yeah. so they they can't they can't envision this thing that's 3000 years old being still alive and full of full of happiness and and joy and family so having jewish people involved in this i mean i mean klasky shupo gabor shupo was i want to say hungarian I don't know, but it. Um, I would be deeply startled if that gentleman uh, did not have some Jewish in him. So it was clearly, it, it had the ring of truth. Like, it felt like a real living thing into which yeah. we were brought for yeah. a little it while. Wasn't, it wasn't a Jewish, again, like, like I'm comparing this to it the It wasn't Goldbergs Jewish Christmas. Because I, because yeah. I, I, like, like uh, granted, like, uh, Adam Goldberg does this whole, like, uh, what's the word? Where you make fun of yourself. Self-deprecation? Yeah, he has a self-deprecating humor about his family and stuff like that. So their portrayal of Hanukkah was in that same vein. But, like, yeah, this doesn't feel like a Hanukkah episode written by someone who isn't Jewish. This feels like a Hanukkah Hanukkah episode uh, written by someone who, like, knows from what they speak. Um, Which I think is why they spent... Which which is why I think they spend so much time emphasizing that it's not Hanukkah, it's Hanukkah. It's Hanukkah, yes. Yeah, like I think I think that's that's a really great thing. I don't do the well, yeah, because it hurts my throat. But uh, understandable. Well, and that's even even that small amount of pushback is uh like a stand for 
Jewishness and for maintaining Jewishness. That is, yeah. that is a feature of the Hebrew language that we don't have in English. And when you come to America, there is this real effort that if you don't, if your name and if your language doesn't fit into the pre-established structures that we, meaning white people, have decided are okay, you have to change your shit to fit what we want or else you're not going to fit in. So keeping the ch in Hanukkah uh, is an act of self-preservation, is an act of saying, no, this is my culture. I have every right to live and exist here and continue to be who I am. I do not have to change to be allowed to live here. So um, so the B-plot of this uh, episode is Angelica is trying to find a TV so she can watch the the Cynthia special. Um, I think one of the best scenes in this, this episode, and I wish they did more of it, um, she she goes into the synagogue. She sees the the I don't know what the box where they store the Torah is called. Um, yeah, I, I don't know the word, but it's but, uh, it's clearly a um like it's it's an altar kind of thing. It's an altar yeah. cloister. So where she they, she they opens it up and she looks at it, and at that point, like it was like 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 it's like this mystic mythical uh, reminds me of of Linus standing up on the stage and giving the the story of the birth of Jesus and in the the peanuts christmas special she opens it and he's like oh you want to you you're interested in the torah you want me to talk about the torah and i thought oh this is it's perfect. a very special book she's like i really really wish that he would just just was able to give like that that 3 minute monologue about what the book is and what it means to the jewish people it didn't happen, and I think they, it didn't happen on purpose. Like, they were setting it up for this, yeah. and then they, they cut away for the joke that she's a three-year-old. She doesn't give a shit. She's not even Jewish. Like, like she's right. going to go and find her TV. Uh, but I don't know. I just loved, like, how that scene was set up and how that aesthetic was. Um, so at one point, as she's jumping up to go find the TV, she knocks over a guy in a dreidel costume dreidel guy and just runs across him and i felt so bad oh and then the the, the he drops a box of donuts and, and an old jewish man picks it up and is like i won <laughs> yep walks away with the donuts which is weird because uh i get the assumption that the food is free at the at the party so i don't understand why he felt so special you don't that understand? he got his Oh, I was so worried you were going to take this from me. Oh, okay. So it will come as no surprise to the listener that my three favorite jokes in this episode are language-based. Uh, the first was Moyle on the building. That oh, says shit. Right on no, there. I get it now. <laughs> yup, because when the dreidel man falls, he falls with the side of his dreidel costume facing upward with the letter Gimel, which when you roll that or spin that when you're playing dreidel, it means you win. You win all the stuff, all the guilt. <laughs> I didn't get it that was until literally. I, I, I so choice because it's the both and the second the second the second one and I'm stealing the second joke is the same thing. You. Um, so Angelica's running around. She eventually finds a janitor who has a TV, and she thinks this is it. This is great. I found it. Uh, as she's running through, Dreidel Man exits the bathroom. He's like. Yep. He is like, oh, it's you. It's you. You're that fucking kid that knocked me over. And he says, I broke a shin because of you. And he turns yep. around and points to his back. Oh, that was fucking amazing. And why did he point to his back, Thony? Because that's the symbol. The symbol on the back is shin. I don't know what it exactly means. the letter the letter shin on the back. Which listeners, if you just if you take your hand and you make the Star Trek Live Long and Prosper sign, which is actually a koanic blessing that uh, Leonard Nimoy um, improvised when he came up with the Vulcan salute, uh, that's basically what the letter shin looks like. Yeah, Dreadle's pretty fun if you've never played it. It's been a while. Like I think it's been like ten years since I've played it last. Yeah, there's there's nothing I don't have that beats. To play with. There's nothing that beats the fucking you. Can, there's an app you can download on your phone. Play oh, play Dreidel with people. Dreidel. Play with people all around the world. Uh, there's nothing that beats uh Jewish gold coins. I mean, uh, chocolate gold coins. Fucking nope. amazing. Nice. Um. Anyway, so the babies have looked everywhere for this meanie. And they have prepared, as best they are able, they have girded their tiny baby loins to do battle with him and make him take a nap and make him fucking be nice to Grandpa Boris. Uh, they've brought, like, a flashlight and a, uh, what do you call it, like a, like a blanket pillow. and yeah, um, pillow. and a creepy pillow mask thing that I've never completely understood. 
So they see him on stage menacing Boris because uh, Shlomo, the meanie, is in the role of King Antiochus, uh, who is fighting with Judah Maccabee. And they storm the stage like an unrelated Adam Goldberg at a Harmontown show. Uh, and then immediately get taken to the nursery with uh, Angelica. She is still there trying to watch the janitor's TV and says the only way to get to the... And says that that TV, the one that she needs, she says that is the only way to get the meanie to take a nap, so they should help her get it. Hey, you didn't say Harmontown. I didn't say Harmontown this time. You said it. Wasn't I know, me. buddy. That was just for you. That was my Hanukkah present to you. Uh, so... um. One thing that I found really interesting is at one point, okay, actually, there's two things. Esther is played by Tress McNeil. I don't know if you noticed that. Esther is definitely played by Tress McNeil, uh, doing her best. Which one's June. Esther? Uh, she's the person who runs the daycare. I knew the voice. Uh, I did not know that. I'm not surprised. Uh, looking looking back with my interests being now what they are, I can't help but hear and see all the voices. Um, Tara Strong, uh, Christine Cavanaugh, of course, you know, RSVP. But no, I had no idea that Tress McNeil popped in to do incidental voices for this episode. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tress McNeil plays. Uh, it's It's fascinating. Her above every other voice. Maybe Tara Strong. Maybe Tara Strong, uh, but it, Tara Strong is one of those that I'm like, oh yeah, that's Tara Strong. When someone points out that it's Tara Strong, Tress McNeil yeah. is the only person that I can like. Doesn't matter if she is layered with a, a thick Yiddish accent, she is like I can pinpoint her voice She's Tress McNeil. in yeah. anything. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so but something really interesting about this is is. I think there's twice where twice in this episode, like, like they set up that they're actually babies. Like, I know it's really hard to kind of, to kind of have this separation of disbelief between what these, these kids are doing in their adventure and what the adults and parents are seeing as these kids are doing it. Um, right. But at one point she's, uh, Esther in the daycare is changing a baby's diaper, which is why the kids uh, use that opportunity to escape. Um, right. The baby, that baby makes like real baby noises. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like the baby's using, like it's the first time, like I've heard Tommy cry and Tommy it cries like jarring, like, like EG daily cries. And there's a real baby crying. And there's another scene later on where they finally have this confrontation with Shlomo. And they're like, we need to just give him the book. We need to give him the book. And then we see the babies from Shlomo's perspective and they're just whining, crying, sad babies. Just, yeah. Holding a book and they make like realistic it's not like actual real baby noises but they make realistic baby noises as this is going on whimpers whimpers yeah so they so fun fact about that uh that i learned fairly recently so when they did the rugrats movie which introduced dill pickles uh again wolf puppy please don't please don't call the cops on us for mentioning dill um they had tara strong do just like scratch vocal work until they could land on an actual voice actor to do the voice but tara strong's her her baby sounds were so convincing that when she just did them there in the studio it caused and i, I forgive me i'm not making fun of this for happening it's amazing uh her baby cries were so realistic that they caused a nearby mother who had just given birth recently to spontaneously lactate like her, her body was physically tricked into believing that this woman was a baby. So they said, "Oh uh, no, congratulations! You just got a second or third uh, voice on the show forever." That's awesome. I didn't know that. I mean, it I makes sense. So. Tara Strong is incredible. She's um, a power. Yeah. So uh, the babies escape. They go. They try to find the TV. Um, I forgot what makes the TV break. So Angelica betrays them. And uh, makes off with the television, absconds with it to her own end so she can go enjoy her plastic Christian holiday. Um, and she runs into Shlomo, drops it, breaks it. Shlomo, and so, okay, they, the, uh, the, the feud between Shlomo and Boris actually comes to a head behind the scene. They actually kind of ruin the scene they're in in the Hanukkah play, and, and the, the curtain has to be called on them. And they have a fight where... Boris says, you always, you're rubbing your fancy business in my face. And Boris says, well, or Shlomo says, well, yeah, you and your grandchildren always bragging, rah, rah, rah. And he says, well, I don't have a big fancy business. And Shlomo says, well, Sadie and I were never blessed with children, so my business was all I had, asshole. 
and then there's this yeah. big silence because what the hell do you say to that? Yeah, it's it's like it's it's always uh, talk about toxic masculinity and stuff like that. It's it's always like this showing us and like like stuff like that. But I like how these two men realized that their that they differences didn't actually were petty have a fight. and that yeah. and that that they and what i really appreciate is is at that point in time there's no there's no animosity towards them anymore they've realized that they've both been big dum-dums and like essentially make up uh so uh the kids the kids like everything comes to a head uh angelica runs into shlomo the tv breaks the babies come uh, Angelica's sobbing and hysterical because she lost her TV. Shlomo's never had kids. He doesn't know what to do. He he tries. He, well, he picks her up and he shakes her and, and makes, noises, makes at noises at her. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. Well, and something that I think is very important to illustrate is that, like, we... So, Angelica is a monster in most of the episodes. Uh, my brother actually refused to let his kids watch Rugrats for most of their childhood, specifically because of Angelica. Much like um, one of the producers of Futurama, David X. Cohen, refused to let his children watch the Futurama episodes with mom in them, to go back to Tress McNeil. That's <laughs> um, the same reason why I refuse to let, when I have, when I have kids, refuse to let my kids watch Batman. <laughs> which Bat... What, wh which one? <laughs> Any of them. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. What? As a kid, you realize that Batman's parents died. And you know what? Batman's living his best life because his parents don't exist anymore. So, no Batman until the kids can learn to live to appreciate their parents. They'll be able to watch Fair it enough. when they're in their, their adulthood. But I don't want that association that if my parents were dead, I'd be Batman. <laughs> I don't know, man. I watched a lot of the animated series growing up, and I, that was the lesson I ever took away from it. But fair, fair play to you. That's a that's you a have fair never point. you have never thought that how much life, how much better your life would be if your parents had died in a freak uh, gun shooting accident at the movie theater. Well, I mean now, <laughs> but no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my point was uh, that Angelica is objectively a terrible person and the agent of antagonism in most of the stories. But when she breaks down crying here, like, it's it's genuine upset. Like, she's just a miserable little child who, by the way, like all of them, is most certainly up well past her bedtime, right? Yeah. She's got to be exhausted in that little kid way. And all she wanted to do, instead of being schlepped from place to place and forced to take part in a bunch of stuff she doesn't understand or have any interest in, she just wanted to watch her program. She loves Cynthia more than anything else in the world, and she was this close, and it was just fucking taken away from her, and yeah, she and, is sad. And, and it I was think, a very relatable moment. I, mean, I think you guys, like, everybody needs to realize that like sometimes it's it's really easy to separate the fact that these are babies yeah and especially angelica is significantly older than tommy but, but she's a very three-year-old like she yeah. just got potty trained she probably she don't even think she's going to to preschool yet because uh, preschool yeah. happens later on in the series um she's she's a baby like she has the same emotions as a baby all of these things yeah she can yeah she's just she a bigger baby herself but she she's a baby and i think anybody would be upset if the thing they wanted most of anything broke uh, yeah we've all been there yeah control. it's it's a very relatable thing which is kind of paralleled with the story that gets told in a moment here because uh the babies come up with the meaning of hanukkah book that they brought with them by accident in the pillowcase and they say here read this because they hope that a good story will make the meanie take a nap and not be mean to boris anymore but everything settles down boris and shlomo settle in with the kids to to read them the story the meaning of hanukkah and there's a parallel there where after uh and Antiochus, or Antiochus, however you say that, um, and his Greeks have left the city of the Israelites. They left, but the cities, and specifically the temple and menorah, are just wrecked, just busted, all to shit. And there's a parallel in the story here, because the, the mythological figure in the baby's heads of the meanie has left, has been dispelled, because there is no meanie. It's just Shlomo. He's just an old man who had a weird yeah, relationship with He's Uncle with Shlomo, 
too. He's Uncle Shlomo. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So then they settle into telling this story, and Shlomo sets up a little menorah there. He puts some oil in the thing, and it's paralleled in the story they read the kids, where they fix the temple up, and then the uh, the Hanukkah miracle transpires, where the one day's worth of oil lasts for eight days, just like the miracle of Shlomo and Boris putting aside their, you know, 80-year-old or whatever it is feud and deciding that there's no reason not to be friends. Because babies! Yeah. I think that's it. Oh, uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, Stu finally makes it. Stu, uh, we forgot. We completely skipped over that. Stu's trying to make it to the. Stu is trying to make it to the synagogue. There's one scene in particular where he's so pissed off that he's stuck in traffic. Finds out he's in a Christmas parade with a giant menorah on the top of his car, so he fits into the Christmas parade. It was a really good gag. Yeah, and like I'm not saying. I'm not, it was like an F plot. It was way down the list. I'm not saying it deserved more than two scenes. I'm just saying I'm glad we got those two scenes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Stu arrives with the menorah at the last second, which explodes, uh, which tears the whole stage down and reveals the true meaning of Hanukkah, which is two old men reading to a bunch of babies and trying to explain the history of their people and the meaning yeah. of this holiday. Very, very good episode. Very, very sweet episode. We actually talked about this episode more than I thought we were going to talk about. Yeah, same. But uh, there's a lot to talk about. It's it's interesting stuff, it's, it, and I'm I mean, glad it's, we it's, took this little detour. It seems like that's the case for every episode that we talk about on this show. Like, well, like you watch it, friends. you watch it initially, and you're like, "Yes, we are best friends." Uh, we watch it initially, and. You know, you this, think, is, oh. this is a side note. I am very, very conscious of when you call me your best friend to make Why? sure that I call you my best friend as well. Because I remember oh, a story when I, we actually became best friends and you talked about hanging out with the colonel and in the movie theater and you talking about how you're his best friend. And he's like, oh, thanks. Or something and along those lines. of uh... say it back. <laughs> so I really yeah, like, and... like, even, even like, like, I think you don't need to know. That I'm. I, I don't need to say it to you for you to know. You really don't. But, but I appreciate I, you. I. But I. It's something I'm super conscious of now. Oh, that buddy. when you say these things to me, I need to make sure I say it back to you. Sorry. That well, was... and let me. No, no, that's that's perfectly fair. And let me let me clarify. The colonel, my best friend from childhood. Uh, he and I just like grew apart because I moved and we didn't really talk. I, I, we actually follow each other on Twitter now. I'm not entirely sure he knows I'm me. <laughs> But uh, anyway, I found him on there, and everything's cool. Maybe he'll hear this one day. That would be neat. But, like, I'm glad he didn't say I was his best friend if it wasn't true. I wouldn't have wanted that. But at the time, it did sting a little bit. But, you know, honesty will do that sometimes. It's fine. But uh, that's very sweet of you, Phony. Thank you. You don't have to do that, but I appreciate that you do. I'm always (laughs) conscious when I say it that, like, you're worried I'm saying it because I need to make, because I refer to both you and Dylan as my best friends. So I'm worried that you think I'm saying they're like, I love all of my children equally. No, <laughs> no okay, because good. like literally, literally like the way it works for me is like, I have a bunch of uh, quarantine actually really helps. Like everybody visualize how my friendships work. Quarantine. I've got great for you. bubbles. I've got bubbles and I've always had bubbles of friends. There's specific people and I have like very, very close friends within each specific group. So I have a lot of best friends. None of these sure. best friends are, 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 uh, like better than the other best friends. They're just in different right. bubbles for me. Um, and it's, it's like Nigel and I, like you get jealous of Nigel and I's food adventures. Uh, Oh yes. Uh, Nigel and I have Monolith gotten really adventures. close. Nigel and I are, our best friends. Like, like it's gotten to the point where his, his girlfriend Sierra jokes around with him saying that he's actually in two relationships. <laughs> he's kind yep. of dating me. and He's kind of dating Sierra. Um, but yeah, so you don't ever have to think that because like Max is my best friend and Kevin is my best friend and, and Nigel's my best friend and all of these joke, other Max, people, all of these other people in these different friend bubbles are my best friends. Uh, cool. Yeah. Uh, Hooray. 
everyone's feelings are intact. Yep. And yes, we do find a way to talk extensively about almost anything, despite our stated intention in the pre-show to keep this fairly brief. And yet here we are, much like the menorah, yeah. this was only supposed to burn for a very limited time. And we, we managed to talk for over an hour because our, our pre-show was only 16 minutes long. Sure uh, did. We talked about Sloppy Joes. Go subscribe to our Patreon. You can hear us talk about Sloppy Joes okay. and what a Sloppy Joe uh, means in New Jersey. It's so, not what you think. So, uh, last, last thoughts and then... Uh, we're still going to give the Monkey Man Award, even though this is Rugrats and not. Oh, of course. When we do the Rug Cast, then it'll be like the Reptar Award or whatever. But no, this is uh, this is the Monkey Man Award. Okay, so uh, first, one, I don't have any last thoughts. I have a I lot give of all last my thoughts. thoughts. Go ahead. Uh, Santa versus the Alien. Uh, yeah. TV show. Santa has a fucking chimney that launches Christmas trees. Up, yeah. Uh, at and people. chimney sweeps. Uh, Chucky was horribly bullied. Fucking horribly bullied. And yeah, uh, buried in sand. Lot, Hung from the monkey bars. That means yeah. the person that that is bullying him is significantly older than him, old enough to be it's able to hoist it. It's his teachers, <laughs> and then his teacher did nothing about it. It's a yep. bullying's a pandemic in this country, guys. If you're a teacher and you do nothing about uh, the bullying, the real you pandemic. are harming children just as much as the bully is harming children. Okay, uh, and my monkey man award goes to. I forgot his name, but the guy that really, really wanted to play the king in uh, in the play but wasn't allowed oh, to. Oh, the guy we didn't mention at all. Yeah, yeah. like the wannabe Shakespearean yeah. actor who tried as hard as he could to, to like, like he's like, it's it's fine, I can handle Hanukkah, whatever it is. And so he spouted off his famous immortal line, to be or Maccabee. Yeah. Uh, definitely. Do you have a Do you have a different person that you'd nominate for the? I do. Yeah, my Monkey Man Award goes uh, straight to Dreidel Guy because he is out there doing the hard work for all us lazy <laughs> sinners who are just here to eat fried pancakes. <laughs> All right, guys. I think that's it. I think we're going to wrap up. Thank you so much for listening to this very special episode. Uh, we yeah, will thanks, be guys. back. We will be back to regularly scheduled Hey Arnold episodes next week. Doss Subway um, and Reason Ed. Finally, finally, after all this time. After all this time, it hasn't been that long. It's been two weeks since we we actually recorded the last episode. Longest two weeks of our lives, Tony. So, um, with that, uh, if you like this podcast and you want to support us, please subscribe to our Patreon feed. It pays for all. All yeah. of the important things that we need to help run our podcast network. All the lot because we can eat. Uh, um, it pays for our Don't microphones. Pay it pays for webs. Uh, pays us. It pays us the fuck for fuck. Uh, it pays for our uh, microphones. It pays for our uh, web service. It pays for. Um... <laughs> You what else does you it done? pay for, Tony? Audie's uh, bonitis. Audie's bonitis. Oh bonitis. no, Audie's terrible bonitis. <laughs> no, uh, it pays for it pays for everything. We're eventually going to get Nigel a decent recording equipment, uh, so yeah. we don't have to worry about an episode being. We'll get a professional sound crew out there if we have to. Um. So, uh, if you like our podcast, we have a bunch of others on our network. You should listen to all of them. All of them are mostly yeah. good. Um, you can listen to uh, Dyson Virtue, a D&D 5e podcast with Dylan, Christina, and Casey. You can listen to The Final Podblum, a Sherlock Holmes study podcast with Casey and Nicholas. You can listen to Squirrel Scouts of America, an unbeatable Squirrel Girl podcast with Casey, Liz Layton, and Andrew Orsi. You can listen to Peculiar Objects, a kids on bike adventure with Casey uh nigel uh me and steve our newest yeah. uh our newest member of the group uh or you can listen the to the steve shaker just, uh, just dumped Dave's it in there discount cyber magic which may or may not yeah. have been released by the time that is uh that is a cyberpunk sprawl adventure uh with casey dylan nigel and i and will there are five of us in that podcast um, it's a mess no, it's pretty fun. It is. It's a lot of fun. I didn't say it wasn't fun. I said it was a mess. I'm the one who has to edit that shit. I can call it a mess if I want to. Uh, if you like us, please subscribe to our Twitter feed uh, at... Uh, fuck. T T G. Wait. The GF Report, I believe. At the GF Report? Yes. Uh, so, yeah, it's at the GF Report. 
Um, you can follow me on Twitter at El DLX. You can also follow Casey uh, on Twitter at Hotel Theotokos. And you can follow our you podcast like network at Semi Magi. Yeah. Now, see, that was the opposite of the Hanukkah miracle because that should have taken eight days all to say. But you said it so quickly and smoothly. Yep. Uh, yep. So that's it, guys. Um, I'm trying to think of an inspirational thing to say at the end of this episode, as always. Uh, uh, um, as, oh, I gotta, as always, if you eat a latka and think that it deserves syrup on it, you're going to have a bad time. Latkas yeah. are basically just, hash browns. Don't just have a littleka. Have a latka. Bye, everybody. Andy Kaufman joke. Bye, all our buddies. Bye, everybody.